Coming up on Let's Clear the Air. We can actually generate this three-dimensional digital twin of the methane gas plumes. And that's what we use for our analytics. And that's the methane emissions data that we provide to our clients. Welcome to the Let's Clear the Air Energy Podcast. Conversations focused on how some of the world's top energy leaders are innovating to deliver clean, affordable, and reliable energy for the future. Your hosts are energy and climate expert, Dr. Andrew Parker, and midstream industry veteran, Adam Murray. Now, here are Andrew and Adam. Welcome back to the Let's Clear the Air Energy Podcast. Alongside Adam Murray, I'm Andrew Parker. Thanks for tuning in today. On this episode, we're going to be talking to Asa Kara Bure from Bridger Photonics. Asa is joining us to talk a little bit about what they do at Bridger, as well as talk a little bit about some of the regulatory drivers behind the methane measurement movement in the oil and gas industry. So Bridger Photonics uh, produces a laser sensor that is attached to an aircraft and then flown over oil and gas infrastructure to pinpoint methane leaks. Bridger Photonics has won several awards for its technology and has landed contracts with companies like ExxonMobil, Chesapeake Energy, uh, Sonovas Energy, and many others. Before joining Bridger, uh, Asa was a researcher at the Colorado School of Mines and also spent time designing solar Uh, electrical systems at Empowered Energy Systems. Asa earned a PhD in chemistry from the Colorado School of Mines and has chemistry degrees from uh, Cornell and Fort Lewis College. Asa, it's great to have you. Welcome to Let's Clear the Air. Thanks for having us. We're really excited to be on today. Well, thanks, Asa, for coming on and joining us today. And we, as we do with every guest, we like to ask an icebreaker. And so the question I'm going to ask you is related to Bridger's hometown. You guys are headquartered in wonderful Bozeman, Montana. And so let's clear the air. Do Bridger employees prefer Big Sky or do they prefer uh, the nearby Bridger Ski Resort? Um, So that's a difficult question to answer because they're both great mountains, but it's it's going to have to be Bridger. Going for Bridger. <laughs> so so no love, no love to Big Sky and, <laughs> and, and all the all the great terrain. I mean, so I you know, I got an icon pass last year, so I spent a lot of time up at Big Sky and I love it, but Bridger is definitely the the true locals mountain. And on any given weekend, I'd say you could find probably 10 to 20 Bridger employees up there at least. So yeah, we love Bridger. Awesome. Yeah, Bridger's Bridger's awesome. It's it's such a great resort, and uh, but I don't know. But Big Sky is getting hard to beat with with the the new upgrades, and uh, I don't know. This isn't a ski podcast, but <laughs> well, let's jump in a little bit. Uh, thanks for coming on. First off, why don't you tell us a little bit about Bridger and and what you guys are doing, and you know, really kind of your vision and mission of what you're trying to accomplish. So yeah, Bridger's mission is really pretty simple. We're trying to make it easy for the oil and gas industry to reduce methane emissions. And so the way that we do that is we provide them with actionable data on their methane emissions. And to to generate that data, we use our gas mapping LIDAR technology. And so gas mapping LIDAR is this active laser-based remote sensing technology. And we have these sensors, these laser-based sensors, and we put them on manned aircraft. So that could be small airplanes or helicopters. 
And we fly over our client's infrastructure and we scan out the infrastructure for methane emissions. And then that generates that data. And then we just hand that data over to our clients. And we don't actually sell the sensors. We just sell the data because really at the end of the day, that's what our clients want. And that's what they need to reduce their methane emissions. Nice. Right, right. Just going real simplistic here. Do you want to uh, explain LiDAR technologies? Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to explain LiDAR simplistically, maybe, but you can kind of think of it like laser radar. Um, so essentially, you have a laser beam, and you the way that we do it is we scan out a helical pattern on the ground with our laser beam. And wherever the laser beam hits, we can tell, you know, what is going on on the ground. So that's topographic LIDAR. So we can measure out the three-dimensional structure of the infrastructure on the ground. And then we have atmospheric LIDAR going on. So from that backscatter coming back to our sensor from the ground, remember our sensor is mounted on aircraft, we can actually generate this sort of three-dimensional digital twin of the methane gas plumes. And that's what we use for our analytics. And that's the methane emissions data that we provide to our clients. Cool. How long has Bridger been around? Like, it's not an old company. Um, so maybe a little bit longer than you think. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So we've been around for, I think, over 16 years, actually. No way. So, yeah, we got our roots in this area of topographic LIDAR, so precision yeah. industrial yeah. LIDAR. And so what that means is mapping out the dimensions of important industrial parts that could be for like the aerospace industry or the automotive industry and mapping out the, the dimensions of these parts to, you know, a fraction of a hair. And, you know, that's going to be really important for these uh, important use cases in industry. So in 2015, we applied for the United States Department of Energy Advanced Research Programs Agency um, grant for developing a next generation methane emission sensing technology. And so that's actually how gas mapping LIDAR came to be. And we were commercial or we went commercial in 2019. So ever since then, there's been a ton of growth and it's really taken over our company. And like I was saying, you know, now our mission is to make it easy to reduce methane emissions. Yeah. So is that a proprietary technology then a Bridger? Because there, there are a couple other companies that provide flyover data. Is that the proprietary just to Bridger or other people employing it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, gas mapping LIDAR is, is our technology and it's got a lot going on. You know, we have the topographic LIDAR, we have the atmospheric LIDAR, we have, we take digital photography. So, you know, why not when we're flying over this infrastructure, let's take pictures of what's going on on the ground. And that gives the oil and gas operators, operators a lot of additional insight to what's happening on their infrastructure when methane emissions are occurring. Very cool. So you guys have been active at <clears throat> commenting on regulatory policies and EPA rules. Um, for those who might not be familiar, um, do you kind of want to summarize some of the rules that you guys help the most? You know, I know Quado is probably one of them. Um, sure. You know, any of the others you might be involved with? Yeah, so we put a lot of attention towards Quado being Quado, see the, you know, the ongoing proposed rules. Um, because 
they have a pathway for incorporating advanced methane sensing technology into a regulatory framework in a very streamlined way. And so the Quad OB and the Quad OC rules are really a set of requirements that are put forth by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, to limit and reduce emissions from oil and gas infrastructure. And so we're looking at not just methane emissions, but it turns out that methane is a really useful surrogate in the crude oil and natural gas category of emission sources. And what I'm saying surrogate is that methane is typically emitted when other um, hazardous pollutants could also be emitted. So yeah. if you find methane and you mitigate the methane, then you're also probably mitigating the emissions of volatile organic contaminants um, or SO2 or things like that. And so by regulating methane, you can also regulate all these other contaminants as well. And so, yeah, so this quad OB and quad OC is kind of the first rule to have this centralized approval process for using advanced methane emissions monitoring technology in order to monitor for unintentional emissions from oil and gas infrastructure. And in addition to that, to perform compliance verification to make sure things that you think aren't emitting are in fact not emitting. Interesting. So there's there's been a, a lot of conversation about the, the proposed rules. Um, a lot of people commenting. Bridger has been right there with, with everyone else commenting on it. What is the industry concern um, and, and maybe some of the resistance that that people have with respect to the proposed rules? Yeah, so these are really extensive sets of rules. So they have a lot of different requirements in them. And so as a methane emissions monitoring solution, we really tend to focus on that aspect of the proposed rules. But, you know, it's important to note that these rules include really extensive emissions monitoring requirements. Um, so, you know, Quad OB is a, a set of standards that's going to apply to newer modified infrastructure after November of 2021, more or less. Um, and then Quad OC is actually a set of presumptive rules that are going to go into place unless states provide equivalent rules. So some nuances in there. Um, and those presumptive rules or, or the state implementation plans is what they're going to be called, which are the plans that are going to be submitted by the state with an equal level of stringency as the EPA's guidelines. Those state implementation plans are actually going to cover all infrastructure dating before November 2021. So that's, you know, really extensive coverage and a lot of infrastructure that's going to fall under these new requirements. And a part of these requirements is these methane emissions monitoring. So there's going to be increased frequency of emissions monitoring, fewer uh, exemptions for the types of sites that need to be monitored. And so operators are really looking towards the most efficient and impactful ways that they can evaluate their methane emissions. And advanced methane sensing technology like gas mapping LIDAR is really an opportune choice because we can provide that the sensitivity that operators know we're finding the important emissions on their sites. But because we're deployed on manned aircraft, you know, we can cover large sets of assets very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, 
you talk about your technology and its ability to quantify things. I mean, what does that do for the end user? I guess what, you know, other than knowing how much product might may or may not be released, um, what, what does yeah. that do to help help, you know, the industry move forward? Yeah, so that's a really great point. So the, you know, we have a few differentiators for our technology. And one of them, the, the one we usually bring up first is actually, you know, the actionability of, of our data. And one aspect of that is that our technology actually maps out methane emissions. So you get this picture on a map of where methane plumes are. So, you, you know, the idea is, is anyone can walk up right to where the plume is shown on the map and see where the emission is at and mitigate that emission. So that's that's the first part. The next part is the sensitivity. So yeah. in addition to being able to find really large emission sources, which are typically much easier to find, you want to have the sensitivity to be able to find the smaller emission sources until there's really diminishing return you know, for really small emission sources. So we have that sensitivity to you know, find typically over 90% of emissions in typical production basins. And then, and then the other part is this accurate quantification. So that's another differentiator of the gas mapping LiDAR technology. And that quantification is really helpful in order to understand you know, the magnitude of that mission. Is this something that's important to deal with right away? Should we prioritize mitigating this emission? Mm -hmm. Or is this something that is could perhaps correspond to a normal process emission, you know, something that needs to be engineered out at a later point in time. So that quantification is important for making those prioritization decisions. Yeah. But it goes beyond that, actually. That quantification is also really important for kind of more aggregate analytics. So uh, that's something that maybe we can talk about later as well, kind of this shift that we've seen with these advanced sensing technologies going from just, hey, where are the emissions? Oh, we found one, let's go out and fix it, to let's collect a ton of data on our methane emissions and then strategically analyze it and create a plan, a methane mitigation plan that's going to be you know, the most effective pathway to reducing our methane emissions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to get the low-hanging fruit or the largest you know, bad actors done first. You mentioned the 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 compounding uh, sort of that happens with other uh, volatile compounds or or other elements that may be in a pipeline or in a station or whatever. Does your technology pick up on any of that without the methane, or is methane methane's the gateway to finding all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Is that methane is kind of you know the the representative species for these other contaminants and actually it ends up being really good to be selective for methane so our laser-based technology is selective for methane okay. um, and that has to do with a bunch of spectroscopic nuances of how our technology works mm -hmm. but we've actually engineered our technology to not have interference from other species so that we can positively identify the the concentration of methane. Oh, interesting. Perfect. So you, you mentioned earlier that um, obviously as part of the new Quado rules, there's, there's quite a bit of attention being paid to, you know, increase monitoring frequencies and, and different, you know, um, requirements that are a lot stricter than they, they were in the previous rule. And, but in, in the proposed rules are, are certain technologies being prioritized 
Um, and is that a is that a concern? Is is the industry going to have the autonomy to choose what technologies it wants to deploy, or is there a concern that perhaps aerial surveys like what Bridger provides um, are being unintentionally left out? Yeah, I would potentially say the the reverse could be true in the proposed rules, and I'll get into some. Um, important ways that the rules can be made more practical for operators. But, you know, our technology fits very well into this periodic screening framework for emissions monitoring that the EPA provided in their proposed rules. And they have different sensitivity tiers with frequencies that you need to deploy the technology to achieve, say, equivalent emissions reductions to their default option, which goes back to this historic use of optical gas imaging technology um, and, and some other technologies that have been around for a while. Well, Bridger Photonics is able to hit the most sensitive tier there, so you don't have to go as often. So it's, it's a manageable number of times that you have to screen your infrastructure using gas mapping LIDAR technology as the proposed rules are written. Now, we don't know, of course, what exactly the final rules are going to look like. Um, and, you know, one of the, the reasons that we're, we're confident we're going to be able to be used in these regulations is that we've done a ton of third-party testing to evaluate the performance of our technology. So having those sort of credentials showing that your technology actually does what you say it does is going to be really important in being able to leverage a technology for regulatory compliance. And that's a major emphasis that we've had and that we would like to see um, exist within the industry, within the methane sensing industry, is this third-party verification of technological performance because we want the EPA and we want our clients, oil and gas operators, to know exactly what they're buying yeah. when they purchase data from a methane sensing company. Yeah, it's got to be auditable or trackable, right? I mean, it's uh, people are soon going to have to report this stuff uh, in accordance with the Inflation Reduction Act. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, just for our listeners out there, where are you guys, uh, where are you guys flying over lately? Uh, <laughs> what basins have you been involved with and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. We're already very extensively deployed. So we have a presence in every major production basin in North America. So, you know, Permian, Anadarko, Marcellus, the list really goes on at, you know, as well, we're in BC, we're in Alberta, we're in the major production basins in Canada as well. So yeah, we've, we've been fortunate to be really extensively deployed already. Asa, great conversation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Let's Clear the Air, a public education campaign of GPA Midstream Association and GPSA Midstream Suppliers. The midstream industry helps power the lives of 330 million Americans by working around the clock to provide reliable energy, counteract climate change, and strengthen our country's economy. Let's Clear the Air is about promoting a constructive dialogue on the future of energy. Learn more and join the conversation at letsclearthearnow.org. Now, back to Andrew and Adam. Forgive my ignorance, but 
is, you know, right now producers have to go through like a, you know, you have a guy with a, a handheld OGI camera that will go up to a location and he will provide a, a walk down of the facility at the ground level to look for leaks. Does Bridger's solution satisfy those inspections or are, is that something you guys are working towards? Yeah, under the new proposed rule, we will satisfy those inspection requirements. So these sensitivity tiers is basically you need to have a technology able to find emissions down to a given emission rate size, and you need to screen the infrastructure a given number of times. And so some of these sensitivity tiers actually also incorporate you know, these on-site boots on the ground screening of infrastructure, say using optical gas imaging cameras in order to account for some emissions that might be missed by some of these less sensitive technologies. Now that actually kind of brings up an important point, you know, as the EPA proposed rules are written now, they, for periodic screening technologies, they require when an emission is detected at a site, they actually require ground crew to go out and screen the entire site for emissions, just in case some of them were missed and also to localize that emission to say a given piece of equipment or a given component. Well, with a technology like gas mapping LIDAR, we actually have equipment scale resolution. So that's a redundant requirement. And so, you know, you can see on this map that we provide the piece of equipment that the emission is coming from. So it doesn't really necessarily make sense to have to screen the entire facility. Now, as far as finding additional emissions on the facility, well, when you're choosing a more sensitive technology, you're already finding the important emissions. And that's a message that we've been able to demonstrate, you know, using a lot of empirical measurement data. When you, when you go out to these facilities and you screen the entire facility with optical gas imaging camera, the EPA's hope is that, you know, you're going to find any emissions that were missed. Well, it's kind of this interesting conundrum where if you require every time an emission is detected on a site, an entire follow-up on-site inspection using optical gas imaging cameras, you're actually disincentivizing operators from using more sensitive advanced methane sensing technology because we're going to find more emissions on more sites. So you're going to have to screen more sites with OGI, even though you're already using more sensitive technology. So what we're saying is if you're really worried about missed emissions and we have a lot of evidence that we actually detect more emissions than optical gas imaging cameras, but if you're really worried about missing emissions using advanced methane sensing technology, just have a blanket requirement of requiring every site to be visited at least once with OGI or optical gas imaging. I didn't know that that you guys got down to the equipment level. That's pretty damn cool. How, just random question, how high are the planes flying over the facilities? Yeah, so that's going to be on the order of six or 700 feet. Okay, so it's actually, it's not like a 10 or a 20,000 foot survey. You guys are actually fairly low over the assets when you're flying. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really important for our sensitivity. You know, there's, we were talking a little bit about it. There's a bit of a landscape of different aerial methane sensing technologies out there. And some of them fly at these higher altitudes, but they sacrifice sensitivity for it. Uh, in addition to that, they rely on light from the sun, which isn't as reliable of a light source. You know, you have to worry about 
the angle that the sun is in the sky. Whereas with a laser, you know, you, you know, the light that you're emitting and that you're directing onto the ground. And there's some other really cool nuances in there too, as to, you know, what differentiates those technologies, but those higher flying technologies can cover more ground, but they sacrifice sensitivity. And where we've chosen to fly with our technology is kind of that sweet spot of coverage and sensitivity. That's awesome. It, 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 there's, there's a reason why you can't go to a methane conference and not hear something cool about Bridger, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's so impressive. I, I didn't. That's I didn't what we love that. to hear. <laughs> um, so, so changing gears just slightly, I wanted to ask you another question about voluntary initiatives. Just a couple of years ago, it felt like everyone, there was a big rush to certify gas, right? Uh, whether it was, um, you know, an MIQ, responsibly sourced gas, uh, you know, rating or, or EIA, you know, equitable origins or OGMP 2.0, any of those voluntary frameworks that companies are kind of moving to. Yet, it seems like the regulatory piece is almost starting to meet those frameworks in the middle, right? And I guess my question to you is, where do you see, or what do you think the future is for those voluntary initiatives in the face of, you know, fairly strict, uh, emerging regulations on at least the North American industry? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And I think I remember someone that works at MIQ saying that, you know, honestly, it would probably be ideal if regulations met what we're going for with our standard and poof, MIQ is gone. We don't exist anymore. But I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that say a certification standard like MIQ is going to continue to evaluate the methane emissions or other landscape, um, you know, the climatic or the climate uh, attributes of this industry and find places where regulations may have gaps and then they can help operators demonstrate that the operator has filled that gap and has improved performance relative to regulations. But another thing that we might see is MIQ expanding their scope to not just methane emissions, but to all greenhouse gases, whereas certain regulations may only target methane emissions. So they may continue to evolve along with the regulations. So that, you know, that's one example of uh, differentiated natural gas. We have oil and gas methane partnership 2.0 OGMP. And so that's another example of differentiated natural gas where operators are trying to increase the transparency and accuracy of their methane emissions reporting, ultimately leveraging empirical data, you know, and things like gas mapping LIDAR, where we're quantifying their emissions, empirically quantifying instead of relying on past knowledge of what their emissions might have been. Well, that's actually an international program. So when an operator signs up to that program, they ultimately have to report on their emissions for you know, their entire assets globally, including for uh, operations where they don't actually operate the infrastructure, but they actually have a share in that company. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty different because you're not just beholden to US regulation. So even if you know that level of stringency is met by US regulations, it isn't necessarily the same on you know that global scale. Yeah, it's I think to the casual listener who who's listening to this episode, I mean it just you think about the regulations and 
the the technologies that are available now um it's 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 so impressive what the north american industry does to be good stewards of the environment right there, there's a lot of regulatory that's pushing folks that way but there's also a lot of voluntary action i think as well and um just listening to you talk about you know the quado rules and your 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 technology it, it just it makes me appreciate what we have here you know stateside um quite a bit what yeah. what other what other regulatory you know items are are coming down the agenda for the industry here in the US uh, anything else that the people should be keeping their eye on yeah you know you bring up a really good point and the fact that the regulatory landscape is changing really quickly right now but historically gas mapping lidar has only been used on a voluntary basis so this is companies that want to in reduce their methane emissions and they're going out and they're finding the best in class approach to doing that. And only, you know, with the finalization of these EPA rules, our operators going to be able to use something like gas mapping LIDAR for regulatory compliance on a large scale. And so that's really going to change um, the face of the industry quite a bit. You know, these quadro B and the, and the presumptive guidelines, the emission guidelines, quadro C rules. There's a lot of other stuff that's going on right now too. So we just saw the publication of proposed notice of rulemaking for uh, Department of Transportation Pipeline and Hazardous Materials for a lot more rules for pipelines. So that's you know interstate transmission lines, that's gathering lines out in the oil fields to to collect the hydrocarbons to you know centralized reservoirs. Uh, and distribution pipelines as well. So they are updating the leak detection and repair rules for all of these pipelines to be a lot more stringent. And there's been kind of this evolution in that space as well to not just mm -hmm. look at the safety considerations of pipelines, you know, to make sure that we're not exposing people to harm with any sort of issues on the pipeline, but also looking at the environmental ramifications of emissions from pipelines. So these rules have essentially elevated the importance of the environmental aspect of methane emissions from natural gas pipelines to be on par with the safety rules. And then they've really dramatically expanded in these proposed rules, the leak detection and repair requirements for pipelines to be quite comprehensive as well. So that's, that's going on out there too. So to bring it a little bit full circle, first off, thanks for coming on again. We really appreciate it. Um, it's 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 been a learning uh, learning thirty minutes here for me on this stuff. But uh, let's just say we have you back on the 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 podcast here three years from now. You're back on the show, and and you and Bridger are happy. What's <laughs> happened in the energy world that that has made you guys happy or made you happy? That is an awesome question. I love that question. So, you know, what we've seen with the advent of this methane emissions mining technology is now we can have a really comprehensive picture of methane emissions and where they're occurring. And that enables this sort of advanced leak detection repair methodology where we find emissions, go out and fix them. Okay, now when you start aggregating that data, you get a statistically representative data set on where emissions are occurring 
for your infrastructure. And we can start analyzing that and picking out what is driving the methane emission. So for example, Bridge of Photonics gas mapping LIDAR provides equipment attribution of methane emissions. So now you can figure out what types of equipment are the most important drivers for your methane emissions and how can we change the way that we operate those equipment types to strategically mitigate methane emissions. The other really cool thing you can do with that statistically representative data set is you can calculate your total annual methane emissions. And so that way you quantitatively know based off empirical measurement-based data what your emission performance is for a given year. And then when you make those mitigation efforts, you can actually track with certainty that the impact of your mitigation efforts. And so industry is already adopting these approaches, but in three years, I want to see industry, you know, adopting that approach, tracking their methane emissions, being extremely strategic about their mitigation efforts and, you know, setting some really ambitious goals. Source source level measurement informed inventories are going to be the way people have to go. And Mm -hmm. the world of, of measuring methane is rapidly evolving and Bridger has a lot to do with it. What you guys do is, is so cool. And, uh, Love love seeing the updates and, and what you guys are up to. Uh, Asa, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us a little bit about Bridger and, and uh, the regulatory environment. And uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. It's It's been a bunch of fun. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Andrew, anything that you're taking away from this episode? I think I said it during the interview with Asa, just you know, listening to him talk about the Bridger technology and and the regulatory climate that's really driving a lot of the technological uh, advancements in this space just really blows my mind and 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 makes me appreciate what producers right midstreamers upstreamers downstreamers what the industry has to do uh, to operate here in the United States and and ultimately be good stewards of the environment and I hope that. That's what the listeners will take away too. Is is as we're you know six episodes into this podcast, people are starting to kind of get a a better appreciation for uh, you know how complex this topic is, but how the oil and gas industry is not an adversary. Uh, ultimately, the industry will be a solution, and um, I think that's probably my takeaway from from talking with Asa. How about yourself? Yeah, I continue to kind of say the same things as well. Uh, you can you can get into the energy industry uh, in many different ways, whether you're a pilot flying around LIDAR uh, technology or whether you like to work with lasers. Um, you know, there's, there's so many avenues uh, to ways you can make a difference in the world, um, make industries better and, and do different things. So I really like hearing about the new technologies. I think uh, we work with some extremely smart people, obviously, with various letters behind their names, and um, you know they're doing really impactful things. So, so with that, we'd like to hear from uh, our audience on guest suggestions, questions, comments. Uh, you can connect with Andrew and I on LinkedIn, and make sure to follow uh, Let's Clear the Air as well. Uh, so, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Let's Clear the Air. 
Thank you for listening to the Let's Clear the Air Energy Podcast with Adam Murray and Dr. Andrew Parker. If you like what you have heard, subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast app. You can email us with questions or comments to Let's Clear the Air Energy Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you.